So if you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can click to, turn to with me, Genesis chapter 32. If you're one of those, th- those types of people, and I'm that way, that you like to read alone, whether it's a, whether it's a leather-bound Bible or some, or, or some device, whether it's a tablet or phone or whatever, uh, then we'll be in Genesis chapter 32. And so over the last several weeks that I've been here, uh, this last week I was out and Pastor Eli preached for me and did a phenomenal job. I got to hear his message and so I'm so thankful for him and for his ministry to be able to be out and, and him cover the way in which he does. And so, uh, so I've been going through the Old Testament and taking just some, some characters and doing a quick biographical sketch of them over the weekend. And so I've come to the place to where I've picked Jacob. And so I, there's really no sermon title other than just Jacob. And Jacob was this guy that came out of dysfunctional family, um, and, and, and he struggled. I mean, when you look at Jacob's life, his life was a, was a life of struggle. When you, when you read the pages of Scripture about Jacob's life, you realize that there was never a time that he, it was like he wasn't struggling. He was either going into a struggle, dealing with a struggle, coming out of a struggle. And so he has a lot to say to us about this issue of how to navigate through struggles in your life. And many times when, when struggles come our way, and, and me included, when I say our, I'm talking about me as well, but when we go through struggles, a lot of times if we're not careful, we first pray, God, just change the situation. I mean, remove the mountain, change the situation. Instead of praying, God, would you just change me? I mean, would you just change maybe this situation, maybe this circumstance has been brought into my life that you're trying to change some. So, God, would you just change me? Would you just change me? And so when, when we come to those times, sometimes we pray, God, take the circumstance away, change the circumstance, take the pain away. Instead of praying some things like, God, would you help me to mature through this process? Would you help me to grow through this process? A lot of times when we come to these issues, and maybe you're like this, to where we have a decision to make, and there's like a lot of doors open, and we have a lot of choices, because if we're honest, we all have choices, right? And so we start praying some things like, hey, God, close all the doors that I'm not supposed to walk through. Leave the one door that I'm supposed to walk through open, and I'll walk through that door. Instead of praying, God, give me wisdom and discernment with all these choices that I have, all these doors that are open. I want to have a relationship with you that is so close that I know what you want me to do. I know which door you want me to choose. And so when trials come our way, if we're honest, we say, God, would you just take this trial away from me? Instead of would you use this trial in my life to help me to grow, to, to deeper, deepen in you? Many times if we're not careful, a lot of the prayers, especially when we're in a situation, we're in a circumstance, a lot of the prayers that we play, pray are totally unbiblical. And then when God doesn't do what we think God wants us to do, it's like we lose our faith. It's like we lose our confidence. Instead of coming to these things and realize that, that God, in these circumstances, would you help me to grow? Would you help me to come to the place? Because, because God desires to use circumstances in your life and my life to help us. And so Jacob's life was a life of struggle. Jacob's life was a life of overcoming. There's not a moment in his life, like I said, that he wasn't in a struggle. And so may, maybe right now, maybe you'd say, you know what, I'm in a struggle. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm in a struggle. I'm... Man, what are you struggling with? What are you struggling with today? What have you been struggling with this week? What have you been struggling with this last month? Because when you look at Jacob's life, here's the crazy thing. And it's one of the reasons I think it's so interesting to me. When you look at Jacob's life, most of Jacob's struggles he caused. It was his manipulation. It was his lies. It was his deceivement. And his story can come at great comfort to us. 
because it shows us that even when we go through struggles, even when we go through circumstances that are our fault, they're consequences of our action, God does not leave us and forsake us. Satan would love for you to think that, guess what, because I've caused it, now because I've made my bed, I have to lie in it, I have to suck it up, I have to gut through it with no help from God. Because after all, I caused this. Well, the opposite is true in the economy of God. Jacob is proof that even when you or I have caused a situation to struggle, that God sticks with you. Jacob is, a, is an example of life of someone who has walked through unbelievable pain. And he endured, he persevered. I think that's one of the characters, traits, part, part of walking with God that is misunderstood, the power of perseverance, the power of endurance. So let me read this scripture to you. This is what God said, and then we'll, we'll back through this. And I, I want you to, I'm going to spend a lot of time this morning helping you understand the family that Jacob came out of. I mean, it was dysfunctional family. And I know there's dysfunctional families, and I know there's all different degrees, and I get that, I understand that. But Jacob's life was a dysfunctional family. Genesis chapter 32, 28, this is what, what God said about him. He says, well, your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel because you have struggled with God, with men, and have prevailed. I mean, when you look at this issue, all of a sudden Jacob had endurance and perseverance. That's one of the qualities I, I want to be able to, someone to be able to say in my life. No matter what the struggle he went through, no matter the difficulty, no matter the pain, no matter the circumstance, this guy just endured. He just, he just had perseverance. I think that's one of the most important things of the Christian life is just to be able to persevere, be able to put one foot in front of the other. When you look at Jacob's life, he had a, he had a dysfunctional life. He had a dysfunctional family. His parents, many of you know, was Isaac, uh, <laughs> Isaac uh, and, Re and Rebecca. I almost said Isaiah. I'm so sorry. Isaac and Rebecca were his parents. And so Jacob had a twin brother. His twin brother was Esau. And so here's the crazy thing. They, they, they look nothing alike. They looked nothing alike physically, personality. They had different likes, different dislikes. They were two totally individuals, even though, even though they were twin. Now, Esau, we're going to learn, was, was like the firstborn. Esau was the oldest. The birthright was Esau. But when you look at Jacob and Esau, you realize even though they're twins, they don't look alike, they don't act alike. And because of that, they had different personalities. And because of that, they didn't have much contact with one another because when they did, they fought. I mean, they did not, I mean, these two brothers did not get along. So when you look at Esau, you realize that Esau was like this outdoorsman. I mean, Esau loved the outdoors. He loved to hunt. He loved to fish. He loved to kill stuff. He loved to catch stuff. He loved wild game. And because of that, Esau was his father's favorite because they had shared interest. And so all of a sudden, Esau is his dad's favorite. I mean, Jacob wasn't his dad's favorite. Isaac, his, his father, never really, uh, never really gave his approval of Jacob. And then you look at Jacob and you realize Jacob is totally different than his brother Esau. Jacob is like a reader. He's like a quiet person. He's, he's contemplative. He reads. He thinks. He's a, he's, he's a poet. And as a result of that, he loved to hang out in the tent. During the day, he didn't want to go hunt, and he didn't want to go fish, and he didn't want to do all that stuff. He wanted to read, and he wanted to study in and, and a comfortable chair and all of that other stuff. And as a result of that, he, he hung out with his, his mom and, and, and the ladies. And so they were, they were two very different individuals. And look at this, what it says about them in Genesis chapter 25, verse 28. It says, and Isaac loved Esau. All of a sudden, you're going to start seeing where the dysfunction comes from, right? Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for wild game. But Rebecca loved Jacob. 
Think about, just put yourself in Jacob's shoes for a second. Think about living in a home where you know you're not the favorite. There's something about every one of us that wants the approval of dad and a mom, right? Especially men want the approval of a dad. And now Jacob is living in a home where he knows his dad doesn't approve of him because he doesn't hunt and fish and killed wild game and some of that other stuff. And Jacob knows he's not the favorite. Even though they had the same birthdays, Jacob still knew that Isaac was the most loved. Isaac was the, the favored. This sets an individual up, right, for a lot of, a lot of individual hurt and pain. And maybe there, maybe there are some of you in this room, right, that even though, you're, even though you're an adult, you still remember a time or you still remember what it was like to be raised in a household where you knew you were not the favorite. You were not the favored one. Maybe you can remember specific times and specific situations that that just came really true to you. And so in in the midst of all this, with the issue between Jacob and Esau, that Jacob, with the help of his mother, stole the birthright right out from under Esau. Esau was the firstborn. The birthright was his. And so Rebekah developed a plan with Jacob that they would go in and they would would deceive their, their, their almost blind dad to pray a blessing over Jacob. And so are over, over Jacob instead of Esau. And now there's, there's, there's issues because when Esau finds out about this, Esau is livid. And so Esau decides, guess what? I'm killing Jacob. And so Rebekah knew that he could. I mean, he's a hunter. He's a great marksman. He can stalk. He could kill. He's trained. And so, so Jacob's mom says, we're going to move you to another, country, another area. We're going to send you to Uncle Laban's house. And you go to Uncle Laban's house, and Uncle Laban will protect you. So Jacob makes a trip because he's running from Esau. He goes to Uncle Laban's house. He gets there. He falls in love with Laban's youngest daughter, Rachel. What the Scripture says is Rachel was gorgeous. She was beautiful. So he comes to the place, and he tells Uncle Laban, he says, hey, I want to marry Rachel. And she, he says, well, fine. You have to work for me for seven years. At the end of seven years, I commit to you. I promise you, I'll give you Rachel's hand in marriage. Jacob did that because he was love. It was worth it to him. Seven years he worked for Rachel's hand in marriage at the, at the wedding where they wore heavy veils, multiple veils, heavy clothes, low lighting, and all the other things. Laban. Laban deceives Jacob. Their first morning together, they wake up in the, in the tent, and all of a sudden the light is cutting through the, the tent. No more heavy veils, no more heavy clothing, and Jacob realizes he married the wrong sister. He married Leah, the oldest, because Jacob knew, or Laban knew, that she would probably never marry unless this happened. Jacob's livid. He is livid. So he goes to Uncle Laban and says, you con me, you trick me, you deceive me. And Laban says, if you'll work for me for another seven years, I'll give you Rachel's hand in marriage. And so, so he did. And now, now, now Jacob is like living his life in between two women, trying to make each other happy when the women are like bitter and angry and, and upset at one another. And when you look at this story, you realize that that Jacob had all kinds of problems. He had all kinds of struggles. He had all kinds of difficulty. And maybe, maybe you say, you know what? My life has been a struggle. And some of you may have had multiple families and multiple careers and multiple f- professions and multiple failures. 
And sometimes you can come into a gathering like this, and it looks like everybody else has it together but you. And everybody else has a perfect life but you. But I'm here to tell you this morning that every one of us in this room has struggles. Every one of us in this room has problems. Every one of us has things that we are working through and struggling through now. And God uses us, and I'm just telling you, and I can, I can use like an I statement instead of a we statement. Sometimes that's healthy. I have watched in my life, God used struggles in my life to deepen me. Struggles in my life to get my attention. Struggles in my life to improve endurance and perseverance and character. And guess what? God does the same for you. And many times the greatest ministry in your life will not come out of your accomplishments, but come out of your hurt, your pain, your failures. That's why in Corinthians, Paul said, said, be willing to encourage one another with the same comfort that God comforted you in your hurt and your pain. And so if you think or if you bought into the lie that, that being a Christian or serving God exempts you from problems and struggles and difficulties, and that, that's, just, that's just false teaching. And so there are some principles that I think we can glean and we can get out of Jacob's life. And so I'd like to give those to you this morning about how to, how to, how to navigate through struggles in life. So there's, there's five of them. We'll go through them quickly, some quicker than others, but let's just walk through those. Hopefully it brings encouragement to you this morning. The first one is this. When, go through, when going through struggles, just keep going. I know that sounds simple, but when going through struggles, just keep going. The 23rd Psalm, right? Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's the picture, what? It's the picture of walking. That even though we walk through the valley of shadow of death, we still feel the shadows. We feel, still feel the difficulty. But we continue to put one foot in front of the other. The scripture talks that when you walk through the fire, right? We, we, we worship to that. When you walk through the fire, you keep moving. You keep you keep, you keep walking. It doesn't mean you're not going to feel the shadows. It doesn't mean you're not going to smell the smoke. It doesn't mean you're not going to feel the heat. And so you just got to keep going. See, this was Jacob. Jacob was this guy that could endure. He could persevere. He could just keep going. And here's, here, here's the amazing thing about that. You can read Jacob's life for yourself. It's all the way through, through the book of Genesis from like Genesis chapter 23 to the end. And you never find Jacob whining. In all of his struggles, he's not whining, he's not complaining, he's not, he's not using language like self-pity, poor is me, woe is me, anything like that. I mean, J Jacob was this guy that could just endure, he could just persevere. I mean, it's this endurance, it's this persever per perseverance is what James tells us in the New Testament. So the first thing is this, when you're going through difficulty, don't give up. You have to keep going. You have to keep walking. The second thing is this. Many times the struggles in life, it is the struggles in life that drive us to prayer. I am just telling you, I have watched this happen in my life, especially over the last five years. You know when I've learned to pray? Over these last five, five years, one struggle after another, one crisis after another. I mean, it's the struggles in life. Listen, I'm telling you, it's the struggles in life that God uses to get your attention. It's the struggles in life that drives us to our knees, that drives us to prayer. And J Jacob was this guy that his crisis, his struggle, we're going to see that in a minute when we focus in on Genesis 32, that it drove him to prayer. Even though it was self-inflicted, even though it was, it, he caused it. When Esau, listen, when Esau was mad at him for like, like still in the birthright, 
You know who, you know who Jacob looked, like, looked for for pain and relief? He looked, he looked to God. I mean, you see this different times in Jacob's life. J- Jacob, uh, Genesis, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter, I, I believe it is Genesis chapter 28. After, after Jacob went through some problems in his life, all of a sudden he deepened in his commitment with the Lord, and he said, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to give the first, first 10% of my income to you. I'm going to worship you with my tithes and offerings. I'm going to serve you. And all of a sudden you see at that moment, in the, minute of it, in the, in the moment of his struggles, that he deepened. And then all of a sudden, you, you come to this place in Genesis chapter 32, and Esau is, it wants to kill him, and Esau wants to end his life. And so let's just read this together. And, and so this is like the night before of the meeting between Esau and Jacob, and they hadn't seen each other in about 20 years. The last they had heard, the last they had talked, Esau wanted to like kill Jacob, and Jacob knew he could do that like really easily. So Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two slave women, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of Jabuk, so he's on his way. He took them and sent them across the stream along with all of his possessions. Now, now please remember this. It was subtle. I read this at the first, and I, I didn't really call attention to it because I wanted to wait till now. Please remember this. I mean, verse 28 tells us that the person that Jacob is struggling against is God. It's not the picture we have of God, right? It's not the church picture that sometimes we give in church. I mean, the, the, you know who Jacob is struggling with? Jacob is struggling with God. God is behind this. God is behind this situation. And it lasts like this prayer time. It lasted like all night long. And so what are you struggling with right now? What are you struggling with this week? What have you been struggling with the last month or years? And like, like Jacob, God wants to develop endurance and perseverance in you. God never, listen, God never wastes a crisis. Never waste a crisis in your life because guess what? God might be behind the crisis. God might want to develop something in you. Listen, God never wastes a hurt. God never wastes a pain. God never wastes a crisis, but we can't. Jacob didn't. Jacob understood this. Have you, have you ever thought that struggle you have right now, that crisis you're in, could God be behind it? Wanting to work through that situation to develop endurance and perseverance in you, to deepen your prayer life so that you know that you can trust him. And when you look at this, you realize that God oftentimes uses struggles and pain in our life to deepen us. Many people, listen, many people will never change in life until the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of changing. We may would say it's when they hit rock bottom. A more biblical principle is this, is that many people, they're never going to change. Until the pain of living in this dysfunction, the pain in staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. So there's some relief. And so Jacob, he struggles all night in, in prayer. And he's like, he's like I, got, I can't keep living like this. I can't keep being a deceiver and a, a deceitful and a liar and all these. I, I, I just can't. And so look at this, verse 25, Genesis chapter 32. When the man, so now we know, verse 28 tells us, the man, that's God. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, let me go for its, break, uh, for its, for its daybreak. But Jacob says, so, so here's the amazing thing, this amazing phrase about Jacob. This is endurance. This is perseverance. Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob's like, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to stay in the struggle. I'm going to stay in the difficulty. I'm going to stay in the... God, until you 
until you give me what you have for me. God, until you bless me, until there's like this breakthrough. God, listen, I am here to tell you this morning, God uses crisis, God uses difficulty in your life to draw you to him. So maybe you and I will make some changes. But many people, listen, I'm telling you, many people miss God's best for them because they give up way too soon. Wouldn't you agree sometimes we are great starters and horrible finishers? That's why there's so many unfinished products or projects around the house, right? We are, I mean, we can get all fired up and we can get excited. We are great starters, but we are horrible finishers. I once started a, I once started a diet program for a whole afternoon. <laughs> and I can get a lot of amens in this room, right? Amen. Thank you. And you know what? When I, when I didn't get the results quick enough, you know what I did? I quit. I went, well, it doesn't work. I mean, I did it for a whole afternoon. I mean, it was a couple of years ago. I go to the doctor. I get a physical. And the doctor wants to put me on, a, on a, the Mediterranean diet. I don't know if you know anything about the Mediterranean diet. It comes out of the pit of hell. And so uh, I am telling you. I am telling you, it is like no meat. It is no red meat. No, it doesn't, red meat doesn't even appear on their pyramid. It is no red meat. And that's a problem for me because I'm, I'm basically vegan-free. I am just... <laughs> I, I am. I'm just vegan-free. And so, and I know there's a lot of vegans in this church. And God, I, you know, I love you. I thank God for you. It's just more meat for me. And so... Uh, <laughs> And so I'm, I'm basically, I know this is off, off topic, but remember a few years ago when like Burger King came out with like the, the Impossible Burger, right? Yeah, and it, it, it looked like a hamburger. It smelled like a hamburger, right? It's supposed to taste like a hamburger. You look at the hamburger patty, it looks like a hamburger patty, but, it, but, it, but it's not, right? And so everybody was all excited about that. I don't know why people were so excited about it. McDonald's has been doing that for years. And so, uh, and so... Uh, I'm so in trouble, I know. <laughs> but anyway, this doctor put me on like this Mediterranean diet. And, and so it just drives Karen nuts because, I mean, it, I, I stayed on it for an afternoon. I stayed on it for a couple of days, and I didn't see results quick enough. So, you know what, I quit. I went back to the doctor after six months, and there was like no change. And, and so, and I'm like, I quit. I'm done. And I, I didn't really do it. But anyway, I tried. That's a lot of us with God, right? We'll make changes. God, I'll start going to church. I'll start reading my Bible. I'll start praying. I'll start doing whatever it is. You fill in the blanks. And then when we don't see the results quick enough, we bail. When we, when we don't see God move, God, obviously, you don't care. I mean, I've been praying for this like for a day or two days or two weeks. You haven't answered my prayer yet. Why should I keep? This prayer stuff doesn't work. Why should I pray? Instead of this issue of endurance, listen, I'm telling you, a lot of times prayer is more about changing you than changing the situation, about changing you than changing the circumstance. This issue, because listen, I'm telling you, some people approach prayer like God is this genie in the Bible. God is this vending machine. We say we want this, and if God doesn't give it, then all of a sudden we just like bail. And Jacob wasn't that type of guy. Watch this. In the midst of his prayer, we're going to see how he changes Genesis chapter 32, verse 27. And so the man asked him, what is your name? Now that's crazy, right? The man's God. God knows Jacob's name. So, so he says, what is your name? And Jacob, he replied, so you have to ask yourself, why did God ask him his name? He knew his name. Because God wanted Jacob to admit who he was. 
In, in the Old Testament, we talked about this. The Old Testament names meant something. It meant their character. It meant their beliefs. It meant who they were. You could hear their name, and you knew who they were. Jacob's name, in case you're wondering, you know what Jacob's name means? Liar, cheater, swindler, manipulator. You know what God was forcing Jacob to do? To admit who he was at his core, his true self. Sometimes it's our projected self, and that's why we don't change, because we have this projected self, and we believe something else about ourselves than that's true. And so Jacob had to say, God, you're right. I'm an, a manipulator. I'm a deceiver. I am a liar. And all of a sudden, probably in Jacob's mind, all the people that he deceived came to his mind. And the list was long. It started with Esau, but the list was long. It was a reminder of everybody that he heard in his life. life and, and Jacob, listen, Jacob came, yes, he came face to face not only with God, but he came face to face with himself. And until we come face to face not only with God, but face to face with ourselves, we'll never change. Because we'll live a life to where we always blame somebody else. You never see where Jacob was like blaming his dad and said, this is all dad's fault. I was never dad's favorite. He never was kind. He took Esau hunting. He did things with Esau. He, ne he never read a book with me. He never hung out in the tent with me. He, you, you, never, you never see. You see Jacob all of a sudden comes face to face with himself. And until we realize this is what I'm really like, this is my true self, and I confess that. We don't talk in, in like, like contemporary Christianity. We don't value confession. And just confessing, this is me, this is what I did, this is what I said, God, I ask you for forgive me. People will, I'm just telling you, people will never change as long as we blame and make excuses. Excuses about our personality, excuses about who we really are, or we just blame, whether it's parents, whether it's friends, whether it's circumstances, whether it's situations, whether it's ex-relationships or whatever. And so verse 28, and so this is what God does. He gives him a new identity, which he offers to every one of us. He said, you, your name will no longer be Jacob. He said, it will be Israel because you have struggled with God with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask me my name? And he blessed him there. He got the blessing. And Jacob then named the face Penel. Remember, Penel means something. He says, for I've seen God face to face. Penel simply means this, seeing God face to face. And he said, yet my life has been spared. The sun shone on him as he passed by Penel, limping because of his hip. That is why still today the Israelites don't eat the thigh muscle that is at the hip socket because he struck Jacob's hip socket at the thigh muscle. And Jacob comes to this place to where he admits who he is, came face to face with God, and God like blesses him. I mean, we're going to look at what, what happened after that. But when you look at this, God gave him a couple of things. First thing, he gave him a new identity, gave him a new name. When you, when you become a Christian, you get a new identity. You get your identity as in Christ. Your identity is in God. But a lot of times it takes, it takes many of us years after years after years of understanding that. He said, your name is no longer Jacob. Your name is, is Israel. And, and Israel, amazing, it, it means he who struggles with God or it means the prince of God. So Jacob went from manipulator, deceiver, cheater, liar to the, the prince of God. It's interesting, just real quickly, in Romans chapter 9, verse 13, the scripture says, God says, it says, Jacob, Jacob I loved. I'm just telling you this morning. If God loved Jacob with all of his hang-ups, deception, manipulation, 
lying, deceiving, then God can love me and God can love you with all of your hang-ups. Problems produce deeper prayer in somebody's life. In the easy seasons of life, that's when we have like superficial prayers, right? God bless my, you know, God bless my hamburger. God bless my meal. God bless today. Give me a great vacation. Give me a fun day. Give me a great weekend. Hope I see the colors of whatever it is. But there's something, there's something about when we go through crisis. It's true. Problems should push us to our knees. If you've never faced a struggle that you couldn't solve, then you may have never really deepened in prayer. You've Help me with my kids. Help me in my marriage. Help me in this situation. God, I need you to heal this person. I, I need you. I, I need your help. God, I need you to give me wisdom about. I feel like my life is coming apart, and I need you to give me wisdom about what I'm supposed to do. And sometimes it's in that moments that we learn to pray. The third thing is this: is, is, is struggles should bring us to a point of a fresh start. This is what happened in Jacob's life and Esau's life. This is so fascinating to me. So Esau's coming. Jacob and, and Esau about ready to meet. They haven't, they haven't talked in like 20 years. Things were pretty contentious and difficult. This is before like social media, email, text messaging. Neither one knows what God has done in their life. 20 years has passed. They're coming for this meeting. Oh, and guess what? Esau's bringing 400 men. Esau's bringing 400 men. So let's read the story in, in Genesis chapter 33, verse 1 through 11. He says, now, now Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming towards him with 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah. He realized, I, I think he's coming to kill me. Rachel and the two slave women, he put the slaves and the children first, and Leah and, and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. He himself went on ahead, bowed down to the ground seven times, and he approached his brother. Now they're going to meet for the first time. Verse 4, Esau ran to meet him, hugged him, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And they wept. This is a dysfunctional family. God had done something in Esau's life, and God had done something in Jacob's life. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. When, he, when Esau looked up, saw the women and children, he asked, Who are these with you? He answered, The children of God, the children God has graciously given your servant. Then the slaves and their children approached him and bowed down, and Leah and her children also approached and bowed down. Then Joseph and Rachel approached and bowed down. So Esau said, What do you mean by this whole procession I met? To find favor with you, my Lord, he answered, I have enough, my brother, Esau replied. Keep what you have. But Jacob said, No, please, if I have found favor with you, take this gift from me, for indeed I have seen your face, and it is like seeing God's faith. Since he has accepted me, God has done something in this situation. Please take my present that was brought to you because God has been gracious to me and I have everything I need. So Jacob urged him until he accepted. Only God can do stuff like that. Only God can put relationships back together, can put families back together, work in people's lives individually. You have these two brothers that were in unbelievable conflict. God did something over the 20 years and all of a sudden you have this reunion. See, Esau, Esau doesn't skate clean in this whole deal. Esau was in pain too. Esau never really felt he had his dad's approval, even though he was, his, he, he was the favorite. There's a difference between being the favorite and having approval. Esau never felt. Fact is, when it's crazy. 
But when, 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 when Esau's dad, Isaac, when Isaac was deceived and gave the birthright that was Esau's and gave it to Jacob, you know what Esau did out of rebellion? He went out and married a woman that he knew his dad would not like to bring hurt and pain to his dad. And you know what it did? It destroyed Esau. Esau had unbelievable pain. Jacob had unbelievable pain. I'm just here to tell you, nobody skates clean out of dysfunctional family without pain, whether you're the favorite or whether you're not. Whether you, you just don't. And so only, only God can give. Listen, only God can give, give people fresh starts. See, what happened, both brothers, once they came face-to-face with themselves and face-to-face with God, they could now see the pain of their other sibling. They could now have compassion for them. Here's the fourth thing. Nothing is more important than to trust God in the midst of your struggle. Nothing is more important. Listen, I get it. I, I know sometimes you can go through a struggle, right? You can go through a struggle and you want to quit. You want to give up or you want to trust in self or you want to trust in circumstances. Listen, the only one you can trust in struggle is him. Genesis 46, 1 through, through 4, you can read it for yourself. God led Jacob down to, to Egypt and and, uh, and he trusted him. And Jacob's life was like blessed of God. And, and Jacob understood. See, Jacob came to this place to understood and, and that every decision he makes affects his family. Every decision I make, every decision you, you make affects your family, affects relationships around you. And Jacob realized the fifth and the last thing is this. Understand the power of your words. Just understand the power of your words. Language matters. People rise and fall by the words they use, the language they use. There's adults still carrying painful words of a dad or a mom into adulthood. And it still brings them dysfunction. It still brings them hurt. It still brings them pain. Jacob was this guy until he came face to face with himself and he came face to face with God. And Jacob, Jacob was this guy that was committed. I mean, you, you could go, we could, we could take time and go through the, the generational stuff in, in Jacob's family. And you would realize lies and manipulation and deceitment. I mean, that was his dad, that was his uncle Laban, and that was him. And he, they, they were learned behaviors. And Jacob came to the place where when Jacob came face to face with himself and face to face with God, you know what Jacob said? I'm breaking the chain. I'm going to end it right here. Our family is no longer going to be known by deception. Our family is no longer going to be known by deception. Our family is no longer going to be known by lies. And I'm not going to have favorites in my family. And I'm going to bless my kids equally, whether they're like me or whether they're not like me. And Jacob, it's amazing. Jacob made that commitment. I'm telling you, you, you know this if you've ever had to work through this. This is tough stuff. It is hard work because our default... our default mode is to go back to the way that our family was. That's just our default mode. And so look at this. Jacob, Jacob is about ready to die. And remember his dad, just real quickly. We'll read this scripture. We'll close. But just remember this. Jacob's dad only gave one kid a blessing. One kid. Watch what Jacob does. He's about ready to die. Genesis chapter 49, verse 28. These are the 12 tribes of Israel, 12 in all. And this is what their father said to them. That's Jacob. And he blessed them, plural, 
And he blessed each one of them with a suitable blessing. Jacob blesses each one of his sons with a, with a suitable blessing. It was an appropriate blessing for them that fit with their personality, fit with their gifts and their strengths. Jacob realized this is how God has wired my kids. This is their gifts. This is their abilities. This is their personality. And he blessed them. Down deep in every one of us, there is a desire, right? There's, there's just a biological desire to have the blessing of a parent, right? I didn't tell this story last night. I'm going to tell this story, and then we'll close if that's okay. It's a pretty personal story. I had an aunt and uncle. They, they were believers. They had two daughters. Um, they had two daughters. And my uncle was on his, on his deathbed. And he calls the older daughter in, and she sits next to her bedside, and he spoke a blessing over her. He said, I just, I want to bless you. Just, and he blessed her, told her some things that she had done and blessed her. The younger daughter, my, both my cousins, but the younger daughter happened to be outside in the hall, was coming in and heard all this. After her older sister walked out, my cousin walked in, sat down next to her dad's bedside and says, hey, dad, I heard the blessing you gave my sister. Would you give me a blessing? I think I would like that. And my uncle said, no. You brought me nothing but pain and hurt and rebellion? No. No. It destroyed my cousin. It destroyed my cousin. There, there's something about everyone. I'm telling you. It went with the blessing of a parent. And what Scripture says that our identity is not found in that. Our identity is found in him because we have a heavenly father that gives us that blessing. So whether you got that or not, you have a heavenly father that says, I approve of you. Your identity is found in me. And maybe as an earthly parent, maybe you need to make sure you speak blessings and give approval over your kids. Do you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?